Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Interesting trade day today and the fact that we had a flash sale. As uh, Sam Hudson is joining us, he is with Corn Belt Marketing. When he said flash sale, I thought I misunderstood what he had to say. We're going to talk about that. We're going to look at some higher numbers that we're seeing in the grain complex today and this cattle market and even the hogs as well. Lots of green on the screen for them. As we start out, uh, Sam, let's take a look at what you talked about in this flash sale because hearing that is not something we've been able to talk about in a while. No, it certainly isn't. You know, when you look at uh, you know the past uh, month, really since the end of March, I mean, we've seen nothing, uh, pretty much nothing on the screen. A few sales, uh, the, the sales we saw under there in early April were all canceled there pretty quickly uh, on, on China's accord. And since then, it's been kind of a slow go. So kind of interesting when I saw it this morning, I was actually thinking it would probably be a new crop sale. So seeing that it's an old one. Uh, I think this, you know, continues to put USDA on the corner as we go in the corner on beans as we go into Friday's crop report. Uh, I just don't think uh, they can really make too much of a change there fundamentally. And, uh, you know, in corn, I think it'll be a little bit of a different story. I think the trade's looking for a little bit lower demand there. Uh, but I think the forecast Friday are probably going to trump all of that. So why old crop? You know, Spain's been talking about, uh, you know, quite a lot of drought over there. I mean, this has been kind of a steady, slow-burning story as you talk about the U.S. and the EU. Um, So I don't know if they're just looking to, you know, snatch up uh, what they figure they don't have and and they can't get it from Brazil at this point. We have seen pork premiums recover uh, from Brazil quite handily. And so from a freight standpoint, maybe that's just a little bit more advantageous for them, uh, you know, to nibble at the U.S. But like I said, I really hope we can start building some momentum for new crop. Uh, One would have thought on this flat price break and and, and some of the weather risks we have ahead of us that some of these world buyers would have stepped up uh, seasonally. You know, we typically, you know, start to see that type of movement and it just really hasn't taken flight yet. So I think that continues to be uh, the overhead resistance on this market and, and, and the negative sentiment is just that we've got bushels to give. Uh, but how quickly are we going to give them away and, and how many are we going to give away? Well, let's talk about that because weather really is top of list, top of mind for many yes. around around the Midwest. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really from uh, from your neck of the woods, really all the way to Columbus, Ohio, the Ag Corridor has continued to be dry. Uh, we saw national crop ratings on corn drop 5%, which is the biggest week-on-week uh, drop really since, uh, I believe, since August of 2020. Uh, and the most notable uh, being Illinois, uh, down 19% week-to-week. Uh, of course, Michigan was right in there at 20% uh, week-to-week drop, and Ohio down 17%. So uh, with Iowa only down 5%, I think that kind of leaves us you know, thinking into next week, what if they're the next one to fall here? Uh, and how does it equate to final yields uh, if we can finally catch some rain into the third week uh, third week of June here? Looks like some of those models are, are still trying to suggest that, but it's always uh, you know 10 days to two weeks out, unfortunately, and, and you know people are wanting it three or four days. So looking at that, I mean, we have continued. I mean, this has been, and you and I have talked about, a lot of folks have talked about that this really was going to be a strong weather-related market heading into uh, midsummer. But were you surprised by these historic drops that happened? You know, I I was a little bit surprised to see them come down so quickly. I mean, quite honestly... um it's kind of the case of two worlds here locally here in central Illinois. I mean, we've seen some, some crops really get put in some of the greatest conditions that we've seen uh, really ever. And if it was timed right, that good looking corn is, is actually looking better and better. The root systems are, are very well established. Now, that's not to say in two weeks they won't be uh, struggling, but the, the biggest problem right now is stuff that had any sort of uh, planting problems, uh, sidewall compaction. Uh, we're starting to hear about some floppy or rootless corn syndrome out there. So all these things uh, you know, start to kind of stack up. And you know, once again, it's just a question of when can we get it and how much can we recover? Um, you know, how much is still going to be on the vine there? Because if you wait four weeks, then, uh, you know, that's just too long. 
What about the weak conditions? I mean, we saw, I mean, Kansas again continues to mm-hmm. struggle, but it seemed like there might have been a little bit of a positive feel going on because some areas did get some spotty showers. That's right. And and I think we have to kind of tie that back to corn and beans, too. Some of this abandoned wheat acreage could end up looking you know, pretty decent if it got planted to something else. But, yeah, that wheat, I mean, we know it's in tough shape. We know we've got, uh, you know, a rough road ahead in terms of overall production here in the U.S. But the bigger question mark has been, what does the world even need? Uh, we did get a, a shot in the arm here overnight with that bombing of the dam over in uh, Ukraine and, and certainly added some war premium, risk premium overnight. But uh, pretty much all of that and more was eroded here throughout the day session as we continue to just see really uh, a non-effect um, from the world supply and demand balance sheet, at least thus far throughout that conflict. And, and that's you know true to say for corn, too. If you look at uh, you know the competition from a world pricing standpoint, that Ukrainian corn is right in there with the U.S. And so, uh, once again, you know, poor demand, but uh, is the supply side of the market going to give us really something to trade here? And even if you could argue 10 bushel to the acre off of this crop here, uh, Susan, if you told me it happened in January, I don't know if it would have a big splash. But if you have to do something like this, uh, you know, before we even get to August or September, it's a completely different story. And no surprise. I mean, this this global influence is just going to continue to wane. It seems like we go a couple of weeks, we don't hear anything coming out of Ukraine versus Russia. And then it kind of erupts again and takes hold of the markets a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. You know, it's brief glimmers of light. Like I said, fundamentally, I don't know how much feet we have. Um, you know, unless there is a you know dramatic, much more dramatic escalation in the conflict, and it prevents you know planting and and, and so forth. But for now, uh, you know, like I said, the world balance sheets are sol- sheets are solvent, and I think all the focus is on you know when we can finally catch that rain and whether or not we'll push these off like we had the last couple of times. You mentioned we got a crop report coming out on Friday. What are your thoughts? You know, I think it's going to be. A pretty neutral affair because I think we've got so much going on here now with the weather that it's just gonna it's gonna find the background pretty quickly. Um, you know, if you look at it objectively with the corn exports where they're at, you have to expect that we're gonna cut those uh, a little bit more. The only reasoning I would see for not doing that is maybe USDA signaling they know they're gonna have to cut supply here at some point, anyways. And so, you know, trying to adjust that demand at this point is kind of a moot a moot point until you can get to. Uh, you know, stocks, uh, acreage, and, and maybe even the, some of the WASDI data in July to figure out if we're going to have to make early yield cuts or if we can continue to to look at a you know slightly below trend here moving forward. So literally each each month, we're just going to kind of wait with bated breath to see what they throw at us. Uh, each week. I don't know or about week, month, I mean, but even, yeah. even week. Yeah, I think at this point, um, you know, I don't know if they can change enough at this point. I don't think they're going to step in here and, and try to change yield number in June. Uh, that would just be unprecedented. I think the only time we've ever seen anything like that was back in 2019 when we couldn't get crops in. Um, and so I think you're going to have to wait until, uh, you know, typically expect to wait until August, September before we see any yield adjustments. All right. Well, stick around, folks. More is coming up. We're going to take a look at the explosion happening on the livestock side. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. As you've probably heard, there will be some changes coming for Fontenelle hybrids. Bear Crop Science has announced Fontenelle will be joining 10 bear seed brands to launch the new Enhanced Channel Seed brand. You'll get the same excellent products and service you come to expect from Fontenelle, along with expanded product offerings and increased agronomy support. You'll still be able to purchase your trusted Fontenelle products for 2024, and rest assured we'll work hard to continue to earn your business through this transition. Read and follow pesticide label directions, green marketing, and other stewardship practices. Fontenelle and Channel are trademarks of Bear Group. KRVN. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue our conversation this afternoon with Sam Hudson. Sam, of course, is with Corn Belt Marketing. And we were just uh, talking during the during the commercial break about anything else on the grain side we needed to talk about. And unfortunately, really all that's been the focus out there um, has been this weather. So we uh, both, I think, Sam, I can say for both of us, we hope if you need the rain, you get it. If you don't need it, it'll go to somebody else who needs it temporarily. But having said that, from a livestock perspective, as they watch the ebbs and flows with these grains, is there an opportunity for cattle and just livestock in general to make some maybe sound feed purchases, seeing the way these markets are constantly changing? I, I would say so. At least, you know, at least guard against the outlier that, uh, you know, lightning strikes again. Uh, you know, obviously we had a pretty terrible drought in the Western Corn Belt last year, you know, as bad or worse even in some places as 2012 in localized areas. If we do it uh, in the central Corn Belt this year, uh, you know, the risk would really be, you know, where can we pull bushels from? And secondarily, where does price have to go to? Obviously, we know we're not exporting a lot of it, um, but there would be a necessity to, uh, you know, keep a domestic supply around very similar to what we saw last last year and so uh yeah to be able to cover some of those costs uh after the you know what we've seen some of these back month uh you know livestock markets do i think it'd definitely be something to keep an eye on and i think it's going to continue to you know place volatility in the feeder cattle market uh, as we move forward depending on what has to happen here over the next 30 to 45 days so that being said there after tacking on a you know in the new contract ties uh, you know, if there's, you know, on the producer side or what have you, I mean, if there's reason to, uh, you know, lock in some of those margins, you know, be looking at that because a lot can change uh, in a short amount of time. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? Let's take a look at the rest of this cattle market. I mean, I think if I was reading right, we saw some cash jumping um, one to two dollars higher today, or at least the live cattle market one to two higher. How does that bode? And could we see a push then for higher cash this week? Well, I think you already have to, you know, assume that that's what the, the thought process is going to be anyways, you know, and when you look at, uh, I think, choice and cutout, uh, the cutout values were up as well on top of that. So if you get ideas of stronger cash, uh, ideas of uh, better economic sentiment, I think, is in this, too, with having trade, you know, past uh you know, the debt ceiling situation. Now we may just revisit all that again down the road, but in the short term, it uh, you know allows for the market to, to get a lift. And uh, you know, at this point, it kind of puts those economic you know concerns in the back in the rearview mirror. But we need to keep up with that as we go into these uh, you know summer grilling months, and at least keep tabs on that demand to figure out if we can continue to expect that enthusiasm uh, and what uh, what that throttle looks like as we get into the third quarter. What about from a from a Packer perspective? At some point, I mean, we'd heard rumors of them maybe doing some pullback. Is that going to happen? Yeah, I've seen plenty of, uh, you know, indications that that could happen. And, you know, that's even a premise for, you know, why we've seen this June contract do what it's done. There's just kind of a panic that we need to get this done and, and, and locked up. You know, cash prices have been trading considerably higher for, for a while and that June contract just didn't react until here recently. Uh, but this may finally put a little bit of a, a fear in their blood anyways, in terms of chasing the market. All right. What about the hogs? Uh, nice to see some green for them once again. Yeah, you know, the league Honigate index uh, made a turn there back in late April and since then has continued to trek higher. You got it back over 81 now. Uh, it, I really wanted to see the pork prices start coming along with that. And we've finally seen that those gains hold this week. We've seen a few flash in the pan rallies along the way since mid-April. Uh, but this one looks a little better to me. If you can see those uh, pork values rally back to 95, uh, you know, even 100, I think you got, uh, you know, paved the way for the July contract to maybe get back to 93 plus. And from there, uh, you know, it's going to depend on what some of the, you know, again, economic indicators are along with the legislation in California and what that's just going to mean for the marketplace over the next you know year to 18 months. There's a lot of nervousness to what Prop 12 is going to mean, especially for these pork producers, and not only just them, but I think livestock in general. That's right. And how quickly it can change, you know, the supply outlook in a market like that is 
is very interesting and can create, uh, you know, obviously certainly some volatility, uh, you know, just with potentially having a shortfall within a certain period of time uh, or a surplus. And so how that's going to you know, ripple effect is really going to be important and could set precedent on top of it. And you think about those consumers, somebody's got to pay for those higher prices. Oh man, it's crazy, and, and and just goes along with a lot of other things. I mean, heck, what is it, six seven dollars for a stick of deodorant anymore? I mean, you look at some of this stuff, and it, to some degree, in some of these sectors, like with the beef, the certain cuts, they're going to continue to to get demand. But you know, what are we going to be seeing for ground beef and so forth? Seeing, you know, a little bit more interest in, in poultry here as we get into uh, you know middle of June. All right, from a grain perspective, what's going to be the the must watch for you the rest of this week? Well, it's going to be the forecast, obviously. Now, the one thing I've got a question here is it seemed like we needed to see proof and dry weather to get the market rolling. It almost seems like we've seen these rains cancel out enough now along the way that I don't know if we can break it until we actually see uh, confidence in the three to five day that we're actually going to get something and then confidence in those totals. And that may not come until Sunday night, Monday of next week. Uh, we'll see if the GFS or the Euro is going to be right, but they're flip-flopping here today. All right. And for the livestock? And for the livestock, you know, I, I go immediately to the feeder cattle because of the way the corn market's going to have to act probably over the next 30 days. So, you know, watch that real closely. And with these cattle, live cattle back over the 180 mark, uh, that's probably going to be a number that could become support here in the short term. And so if we've got a marked time here for the next week or 10 days, uh, just know where all your eggs are. All right. Sounds good, Sam. Best way for folks to get a hold of you. 800-655-3380 or cornbeltmarketing.com. All right, that has been today's Fontenelle Final Bell. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell. You can pick this up as a podcast wherever you subscribe or at ruralradionetwork.com. The Fontenelle Final Bell is brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.